um, I ask all of you to pray for me too. Just, um, I'm just going to read the Word of God today, and the Word can speak for itself, Lord. We're gonna we're gonna read the Word today, and we're gonna talk about Jesus. Lord, anoint your word. You said it would never return void. And Father, let it land on the hearts of your people, God. And let us absorb the season of your life like we've never experienced it before. Lord, let each one of us come to you as a little child. And let there be a new awakening. An awakening in our spirit, God. And that we would press in. And we would know you more than the Savior of the world, but healer and friend and wonderful counselor and the Prince of Peace. Oh, Father, thank you for your great gift of Jesus at this season, Lord. So I just ask you to help me, Jesus. I ask you to help me, Father. Help me, Holy Spirit, this morning as we just share and we talk about you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, um, I am going to be reading from the book of Luke. And Luke was a physician. I don't know if you guys know that. One of his disciples, Luke, he was a doctor. So he was really intricate about how he wrote things, and he wanted to make sure everything was right. And at the very beginning of the book of Luke, he tells us that he's telling his friend, he says, I know, I'm paraphrasing it, he says, I know a lot of people have been writing about Jesus and everything concerning him. But he said, I just felt that I had to make sure. It seemed fitting for him to write it as well. He said, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you in consecutive order so that you might know the exact truth. The exact truth. I love his words. That's how carefully he was writing these words to us today about the things that you've been taught. So let's just read the story of what happened just before Jesus was born. There was a setup from heaven. The time had come. Thousands of years had passed. The prophets had prophesied about a coming Savior. Isaiah had prophesied about his birth. They'd also prophesied about his death. They didn't really comprehend it, with the exceptions to say they were waiting for the Messiah, the Christ, the great deliverer to come. And the Jews in Judah were watching for this event. Hundreds of years before, the other northern tribes had been taken captive. They were dispersed. They were then known as the lost tribes of Israel. But Judah, few Benjamites, were still in the land of Judah. We were there in the town waiting. 
We saw Herod's buildings and his lust for splendor. splendor. But Herod was a wicked man. He had deep wickedness in his heart. And these were troubled times for the people. Rome was there. If they ever needed a Messiah to come, they needed him then. They were desperate for God to fulfill his word. So Luke begins to tell us the story. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abaha, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Zacharias was a priest. They did the work at the temple. They had divisions. They had so much sacrifices and things going on that there were certain divisions of the priests that would come and do the work to tend the temple to keep the lamp oil burning, to make the sacrifices of the lambs. Some were attending the incense altars. The smell in the inner temple, they say you could smell it as you got near the temple grounds. Zacharias was one of these priests. You just heard that his wife was from the daughters of Aaron. That meant the lineage of Aaron from way back in Moses' time. This had gone on for millennia. She was one of the daughters. Thousands of years later and many generations later. So these these two came from good stock. And they found each other and they fell in love. Just like you might have fallen in love. With, the, with your heartthrob, with your soulmate. They'd found each other. And they were both righteous in the sight of the Lord, verse 6, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. They were old. It was past childbearing. They were older than I am. And I'm old, kids. They were old. It was too late. Now it came about while he was performing, well, Zacharias was performing his priestly service before God. According to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter into the temple of the Lord. And that year he was going to tend the incense at the incense altar. So he wasn't going to be bloody that day with animal sacrifices because being a priest in those days was bloody. They were butchers. They had to slaughter those animals for the sacrifices. It was intense. It was hard work. But he'd been chosen by lot to go in and bring the incense and keep the incense on the altar. Frankincense, myrrh, all the wonderful smells, the spikenard would be in that incense. 
And just imagine how you come in on a day when somebody's baking all these Christmas goodies and it fills the house with the air. Imagine what it was, the, the incense was filling the air of the temple. And in the Old Testament, it tells us that it was a pleasing aroma to God. It's, it it's correlates to our worship. We had an incense altar here today when we worshipped God. When we worshipped him. And our songs and our singing from our heart caused that incense and aroma to go up to God. And you blessed him. And you made him smile today. Wow. And the whole multitude of the people were joined. You know why the whole multitude of the people were joined? Because this was around, this was Pentecost. This is a special event. We're celebrating Pentecost at that time. In the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Zacharias is in there. Nobody else is in there but him. Nobody else could go in. The people were outside praying while he went in. It was so holy. And the table of showbread was over there. Loaves were baked, and they're waiting. And it was dark in there because there's only the candlelight. I mean, it was candlelight. It wasn't totally dark, but, you know, the lampstand was there. The seven-lit menorah, not the eight one, but the seven lamps of God. And he goes in, verse 11, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. So he comes in, and right here, an angel appears. Yeah. He's not expecting this. He's alone. Nobody's there. Think about how you would feel. The angel appears. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw him, and fear gripped him. Troubled. These are translated words. Let's really translate it. He was terrified. He was troubled. He was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? This has never happened before. Nobody's ever told me a story like this. We don't have anything recorded in the Bible that an angel ever appeared in the holy place at the altar of incense until we hear it told at this time. This was the first time ever. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. Okay, let's just stop there for a minute. Here's an angel. Don't be afraid. Your petition has been heard. The petition? What petition? We prayed those years ago. In the days of our youth, we cried out. We prayed every day that we would have a child. We prayed it for years. We prayed it for five years. Then it was 10 years. Then it was 20 years. 
Then it was 30 years. Then if by some miracle it was 40 years, and now they're even beyond that. My petition has been heard. How many of you have prayers? Petitions. How many of you are still praying to God Almighty about something you are still believing for? Some spark of light. Lonnie said, this little light of mine. I mean, we don't know when they stopped praying, but that petition and those prayers were somewhere hanging in heaven, in the realms of heaven, wherever our prayers ascend. And that was the day God sent an angel. And they must have had faith activated in their life and kept, and they never must have turned on God because it said they were living rightly. They decided not to get bitter because she didn't have a child. And it was a lot of shame in those days. Uh, People felt you were cursed if you couldn't bear children in those days. You know, there was a lot of stigma to that. And they must have kept their heart, not my will but thine, Father, whenever. They'd had to heard the story of Hannah waiting when Samuel was born. Those words and those stories in the Torah would have brought them great hope. And... Do not be afraid, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. And you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of God and the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. That meant people that had fallen away. That meant people that weren't coming to the temple. That meant people that had lost their way and were sinning. And he will turn them back, many of the sons, to the Lord their God. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to an attitude of of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. We're living in a season, even today, (coughs) where the spirit of Elijah is reaching out. The spirit of Elijah that John carried, thank you so much, that John carried in that day to prepare the way of the Lord. That's really a mandate that you and I have. That's really a charge. It's really something we're to be doing. We're to be evangelizing like John did, to get 
the masses of humanity that have turned away from God, that don't even know who God is, that don't believe there is a God. It's our job, like John, to reach out and be the light and to prepare the way because Jesus is coming again. This is our job now. He's coming again. Just like they were waiting for the Messiah to be born in that day, what are we waiting for? We're waiting for the reach. We know he was born. We've received him into our life. Right? He's alive. We're waiting for his return. And our job is to prepare the way of all those who do not are not ready so they can be ready to receive him. Wow. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know for certain? For I am a man, for I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. I mean, now he's over the shock of an angel. And what's he doing? There were two trees in the garden. The tree of good and evil that God told them, uh, the, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he said, don't go there. Don't even touch that tree. And the tree of life. So what does Zacharias do? He's headed for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He's processing it, isn't he? He's processing it like we do. God gives us a word. God gives us a word. He prophesies over us. He gives us a word, and we start to process. Now, how can I be certain that this can happen? Because, like, I'm telling you right now, I'm an old guy, and my wife, she's he's being kind. I love this, guys. Don't, don't ever call your wife old. Just say, well, she's advanced in years. Okay. <laughs> she's Yeah, she's advanced in years, but. I'm old. Yeah, take the hit, guys. Don't forget that. It's in the Word of God. If if you do it, I can correct you based on the Scripture, okay? Don't forget that, Pastor Lonnie, my husband, my dear husband. Anyway, as long as I don't look older than him, I'm okay. All right. No, and it's just a joke. It's a joke between us. Okay, I better stop right here and get back to the Word of God. But... Imagine, he's now at this tree and he's processing it. He has degraded. He's having this massive, massive, never experienced before experience in the spiritual realm and in the natural realm and he suddenly digresses to his mind and his thinking. So this is, uh, this is what old Gabriel had to say. How many of you know who Gabriel is? Let me tell you, if he ever shows up in front of you, he is so holy. He's the one that stands before God. He is saturated with the presence of God Almighty, the creator of the universe. Come on. He stands before the throne. He's there at his bidding. 
he goes and he does, he's the messenger from the throne room of God. He's the one God says, Gabe, get down there. Go forth. You're on assignment. And this is what Gabriel says. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. He's looking for proof. So he tells him, I'm not just some, I'm not, I'm Gabriel. Who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, now he's going to tell him how he's going to know. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which shall be fulfilled in their proper time. There's something to be said for our unbelief. He had digressed to where the enemy had gotten into his head, standing before an angel from the throne room of heaven, and somehow the enemy got in his head and said, Hath God really said? Isn't that what he told Eve? Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? He jumped in there into his brain. But now he's telling him, okay, so you're not even going to be able to speak. This is going to be the sign to you until these things happen. And the people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them And they realized that he'd seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them, but he remained mute. Imagine everything that angel and the whole experience, and you can't talk about it. You can't say it. And they're like, what in the world is going on? And it came about when the days of his priestly service were ended that he went back home. He went back home. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. And she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, this is what she was saying. This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among women. Five months. She was feeling that that the miracle had occurred. I mean, can you imagine all the prayers and all the feelings that she had had through all those years? And she is indeed pregnant. And she's showing now. She's five months along. But she kept it hidden under the folds of her cloth. She didn't want anybody saying something about about what had happened. And undoubtedly in that five months, Her husband had made enough signs to kind of get across to her something gigantic was going to happen, you know. Can you imagine? Thank you, Luke, for writing this down for us. So we know, as he said, exactly what happened. Now, 
at the same time, the next biggie happens. And we're going to continue this on next week. Gabriel announces Christ's birth. And we will talk about this next week because it's already time. Six months, a month longer, Elizabeth was pregnant with John. We know him as John the Baptist. If you don't if if you're new to the Bible and you haven't gotten to that part, they named him John and he became John the Baptist. You've heard of him. But now Elizabeth is pregnant. She's six months along. And the angel Gabriel was another assignment. When we went to Israel, we saw, we went to Nazareth, the town that's in the area of Galilee. And that's where the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. And the next miracle was about to happen. We're going to talk about that next week. But as I close here today, I just want to remind you, great things happen. And if you've received a word from God, keep praying to him. Keep talking to him about it. Don't give up hope. We know that when God gave Abraham and Sarah a word that she was going to be pregnant, it took 25 years for that to manifest. And they too, like like we just heard about Zacharias, tried to figure out a way to make it happen. And that's why we have the trouble to this day in the Middle East that we do. But don't give up hope. Sometimes there's reasons for delayed answers to prayer. And we see in this case, there was a, an appointed time the exact time that God would release that answer to her because it was her child that would be the forerunner for Jesus. I want to tell you, little Mary in Nazareth married Jesus' mom. Her and Elizabeth were cousins. We're going to find that out next week. It's an amazing story about our birth of our Jesus. People say, even to this day, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And we say, yes. Our precious Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. He was born in Bethlehem, a very small place a very small place. It was a humble place in a manger, a cave. While Herod was sitting in his extravagant palaces, our Jesus was chosen to be born in a very humble place. So I want to tell you that Praise Chapel may seem like a humble place in these days. 
It may be like a little tiny church somewhere in Bethlehem. But I want to tell you that out of small places like Bethlehem, God does great things. So please, saints, let us never despise where we're living, the size of our gatherings, our life. The quality of our life is not reflected in what my bank account tells me is in there. You hear me? He is our provider. He is the lover of our soul. And he will watch over you like he has watched over every every jot and tittle of his word from the beginning. So today we pray. Father, let us not come before you in unbelief at anything you've spoken to us. And Father, let us be those carriers of light. And let us let us receive and let that anointing of John, of, of Elijah come upon all of us, Father. And a, a company of Elijah that goes forth on the earth today, Lord, as we give testimony. Father, don't let us be too busy this week or in all our preparations and miss opportunities to spread the gospel. So we praise you. We give you all honor and glory. And in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. When Lonnie and I were, <coughs> I just want, can I tell him one thing? I want to tell you about how God sets things up. It's just one little story now. I promise it's worth listening for. You're going to be amazed. I'm on the plane. Many of you do not know our dear friend, Herman, who we prayed for two years ago, who was here in Dartmouth, um, Hitchcock in the ICU for over six months, um, had so over 50 surgeries, had over three absolute certified miracles to keep him alive during that time. We flew him home around Thanksgiving two years ago, and God gave him over two years of life, quality of life at home to be with his wife and family. Sunday after I left church here, I got a call from Kathy. Um, she was sobbing. And actually, Lonnie and I had to run up to our camp last week, and I was feeling really sick. And I said, Lonnie, I'm feeling so sick, you're either going to have to pull over, and I'm going to be sick, or you've got to find a bathroom. And we're in the boonies, up in the mountains. We were on the 302. And anyway, I was just like like this. Suddenly we see a bathroom. I get out. If we hadn't made that stop, we had cell service there. Do you hear me? So you never know what might... I mean, that's what made us stop. We wouldn't have stopped because we were in a hurry. We wouldn't have stopped. And when I came out, my cell phone rang, and he said, it's Kathy Jones. And I said, Kathy? I said, I went to get it, and then it was too late. So as I was looking up her phone number, the phone rang again. It was her daughter. She said, my dad, my dad's dying. He suddenly just, his organs are shutting down. He just felt nauseous. He was perfectly fine. There were no symptoms. And I know when he left here, we had prayed, God, when it's time for you to take him home, please don't let him suffer. 
So um, he wouldn't let them take him to the hospital. Um, in less than 12 hours, he was gone. She called me at 4, and I would say three hours later, he was gone. So when we had gone there uh, last year uh, just to visit him quickly, he had asked Lonnie to please do his funeral, so we 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 had to go no matter. So we we flew out early Thursday morning at 5.55, and we flew home the next night at 6.40 p.m., and we got in about 2 in the morning. That's why we look a little gray. We... We have just been running, running, running. But in Chicago, on the flight there, so we flew from Manchester to Chicago, Chicago to Kansas City. On the Chicago flight, I get in, and it's me in the aisle and a young guy by the window. So I go, hi, my name's Kathy. Nice to meet you. You know, I just try to be kind. Some people couldn't care less, but, you know, just be kind. And he goes, oh, hi. He's a young guy, you know, in his 20s. He says, my name's Junior. And I said, really? I said, well, nice to meet you, Junior. I said, you headed for, is Kansas City your home, or you just going for a visit? And he says, well, I'm going to visit my girlfriend. And I said, oh, that sounds like fun weekend. And he says, yeah. And he says, uh, what about you? And I said, well, and he says, well, actually, I'm a student uh, at Moody Bible, at the Moody College, Moody, the Moody Bible Institute. And he said, I'm a student there. And I go, what? I go, my grandson, Stephen Whipple, is taking classes right now, and he, ends the end, he leaves the end of this month, and he's, he's going to be on campus with you in December. And he's going, what? So we start talking. And I go, okay, I'm not even going to call him because they're going to shut our phones off in a second. I'm going to give you his number. So I gave him Stephen's phone number and said, call him. He says, I will. So then he says, uh, I said, this is going to be a great flight. And he goes, well, this is the first time I've ever flown. I've never flown, and I'm a little scared. And I said, oh, you're in for a treat. I said, I'll help you. You're going to be fine. So we started laughing, and we're talking. And he says, where are you from? And I said, Vermont. And so I, we were in such a talk, somebody was ta- trying to get my attention to take the middle seat. And it was a very distinguished woman, very distinguished and sophisticated. And she was beautiful, and she was looking at me like, may I sit in that seat? I said, oh, I'm sorry, I was so excited. We were talking. Yes, get in, get in. So then I said, welcome, my name's Kathy, and this is Junior. And she was like, hmm, you know, she was like, I mean, she wasn't being rude, but it was like, hmm, this isn't my style. This isn't the way I roll. So we're talking. I'm talking over her. I said, well, I hope we can just talk over you for a second longer because I told her he was going to Moody. I told her about Stephen, and I said, we're exchanging info. So he starts asking me questions. He says, well, uh, I said, my, he says, well, what are you going for? I said, well, actually, we're going to bury one of our dearest and best friends who died Sunday. And my husband's pastor, and he's going to be doing the funeral uh, officiating. He says, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. 
And he said, so you have a church in Vermont. So what denomination is it? You know, they always ask that. And I go, guess what? It's non-denominational. So I go, we get to invite everybody from every denomination. Our doors are open, like heaven. And he goes, oh, oh. Because, you know, Moody, he's probably a Baptist. So he uh, he says, uh, oh, well, that's good. Well, what is the name of your church? So I gave him the... The, I said, here's the website. You can go there and look at it later. So he goes, okay, great. So now, you know, they're prepping us. We're getting ready to 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 take off. And this woman, she's been silent the whole time between us like this. And she goes, um, excuse me, where exactly in Vermont is your church? And I said, well, we're located in Hartford Village, in Hartford, Vermont, near uh, White River Junction. I said, we're five minutes from Dartmouth College. And she goes, oh. And I said, well, have you visited Vermont? And she says, I lived in Hanover, New Hampshire for six years. And she said, I attended a church in White River Junction. And the Holy Spirit just told me what church it was. I said, could that have been Valley Bible? And she said, yes, it was. So then I told her the story of how our house was a Bible institute before we bought it, and that Valley Bible was birthed as a church out of this property and is still going strong today. Now, saints, how can you tell me that God didn't orchestrate one little Miss Kathy, little Miss Sylvia, and Junior, all here in the row. So I'm Caucasian, she's black, and he was Asian. I want you to get the whole picture. And here we are reflecting on the goodness of God. Is that an awesome story? It was just like surprising. I wanted you here. So you never know. I said all that to say that this. Don't be too busy. Don't be too busy to say hi to a stranger. Hi. Hi, my name's Kathy. Yeah, this is a long line here today, isn't it? Whatever, just make talk because you don't know. And I'm telling you, that woman was so blessed by the end of that ride. It was like old home week. And Sylvia was talking to all of us. So it was a real precious moment that God just says, I'm in control. Because I was sitting there like, you know, wow, this is intense, flying here, flying back, and all the other things, all the ducks in a row. Did we make the right decision? I mean, I felt we did, but it was just my head wandering, and that happened. So let him confirm that he's in control of your life. God bless you. Get out of here. Oh, That's